Hello everyone, welcome to AWS reInvent. We're going to be talking today uh, about how to centralize control and visualization of your multi-account, multi-region environments. This is session MGT220P. Thank you everyone for joining. Uh, I am Sam Hennessy, a solutions architect with AWS, specializing in management and governance tools. So let's get started. Our agenda today, uh, we're going to first start with how most typical customers start their journey a single account and uh, the various aspects and pieces that you're going to have to put in there. And then really we're going to talk about the challenges to a single account approach and, and some of the things you're going to come across. Uh, we'll talk about migrating a single account to multi-account, multi-region type setups. And then the new set of problems that that particular setup will, will uh, appear. After that, we'll actually be bringing up a new service feature uh, inside of Systems Manager for AWS Ops Center Explorer and how Ops Center Explorer can actually uh, solve some of those challenges that you may be experiencing in your multi-account and multi-region environments. We'll give a demo of how Ops Center Explorer actually works, and then we'll finally talk about how the other management tools can really help uh, fit a full picture together of multi-account, multi-environment setups and how you can manage it and control it from a, from a centralized source. So let's go ahead and get started. So where it all begins. Really, we're going to start with our single account. And very first thing everyone should be doing is taking your root user that you use to create that account, uh, putting an MFA on it, putting a hard-to-guess password on it, uh, creating your first admin user inside of IAM, uh, IAM, Identity and Access Management, and then taking your root user, locking it into a safe, and dumping it into the ocean, hopefully, so you can never, ever have to use it again, and you can keep your account secure and confidential. Uh, after we've set up our first admin user, we can start creating more users for who, whoever is going to be accessing things within our account. Um, but the very next step really is setting up AWS CloudTrail. And this is uh, in order to understand the visibility of everything going on in all regions inside of your account for a, a wonderful security stance. At the very least, you should have it uh, enabled and active uh, to be able to do forensic analysis after the fact, but you should also be looking at doing proactive analysis on the CloudTrail uh, logs as they're coming in. Uh, since CloudTrail actually logs, uh, we have to place these logs somewhere, uh, you'd need to turn on uh, Simple Storage Service S3. Uh, we're going to be placing the logs inside the bucket there, and next we're going to uh, turn on some uh, control and compliance points. So guard duty for continuous uh, maintenance and, and control of, of account access, as well, and config, AWS config. And that's to help allow you uh, to keep your compliance standards and, and how you're going to maintain the governance of your account uh, from the account level. After that, we're going to want some sort of cost and, and uh, cost, cost management and governance. Uh, so we're going to be turning on AWS budgets and the cost and usage report so we can report back up to executive management how much we're spending in our AWS account and really have a fine, fine detail understanding of everything that's going on inside of there. <clears throat> Next, we can actually get to work and start creating things. So very first thing we put in is a virtual private cloud or VPC. And maybe we want to start putting a couple applications in there. And now we're really firing off, right? We have applications in our, inside of our VPC and uh, all sorts of other nifty stuff. 
And since we have applications, we're probably going to have uh, operating systems, or EC2 instances, virtual instances, uh, Linux, Windows, whatever operating systems you need. So we're going to need a few more um, tools there. So Cloud CloudWatch in order to maintain visibility of what's going on with your applications, as well as AWS Systems Manager to help understand and uh, understand inventory, understand uh, compliance standards on your operating system, uh, enforce compliance standards, and generally manage your fleet of EC2 instances. Uh, once we've set up those pieces, um, maybe our devs come to us and say, hey, we need new environments. We need a place to be able to build our things. We need a, a place to be able to do integration testing. We need a place to be able to do performance testing, load testing, uh, UI testing, all these other pieces. Great, so now we have multiple VPCs with our applications running. And since we're going to be moving software from environment to environment to environment, uh, we're probably going to want to have some sort of CI-CD tool set, uh, continuous integration, continuous deployment, to be able to move that software for us. Uh, finally, our uh, new set of devs come in and say, we're not using that regular VPC that everyone else uses. We're special. We have to do it a different way. So maybe we have a new VPC for this uh, private, private application. And then the same team says, hey, we want to run in multi-regions, multi right? So we start launching VPCs in different regions. And now we have quite a few VPCs rolling around, quite a few applications inside of our VPCs. And of course, with different production applications running in different VPCs, we're going to need to have a communication layer. Uh, so we place in a transit gateway and site-to-site uh, -site VPN back to our corporate data center. So now we have wonderful uh, continuity across the entire system. Everything can communicate, and we're all wonderful. We're all happy in our huge enterprise here. What could go wrong? Well, there are challenges to a single account approach. Uh, we have account limits that, that uh, can bring up challenges. We have governance, operational, and cost visibility challenges. We have permissioning challenges, as well as blast radius challenges. So I'm going to talk about the first two fairly quickly, uh, account limits. Uh, the uh, AWS is... Um, uh, we, we have several limits across multiple sets of our services, and that's in order to keep you from uh, quickly growing beyond what the service limit is and, and extending beyond there without perhaps your knowledge of it. Um, to extend most of these limits, it was just a simple re support request saying, hey, I think I'm going to need X amount, and we can increase that. And that's a wonderful idea until we start having environments that have multiple types of systems all running inside of it that can possibly overrun each other. So far, um, and, and these limits are usually regional bound as well as account bound, right? So if you're in a single account, the limits applies to the entire account within that region. So if we've launched our 50 servers in production and then we have a uh, dev uh, environment right next to it in the same account, same region, and suddenly we need 300 servers in dev or dev grows to 300 servers because we're doing some sort of performance testing or load testing or something like that, now, when production actually needs those instances, they're not available. They're already sucked up by dev. Uh, we have to create an emergency case and do all sorts of uh, running on the, on the fly and all sorts of challenges, and that can be problematic when running production. And we also have a lack of visibility there. Um, 
The next one, governance operational cost visibility. Uh, Multi-account, multi-region doesn't necessarily solve this particular problem, but in a single account, it is a problem, right? Uh, we have multiple types of applications running in the account, multiple multiple things running in the account, multiple services, uh, all sorts of things jumbled together, multiple security stances, um, and being able to partition out which pieces need to be looked at and which pieces need to be um, governed in different ways than others uh, can be a big challenge in a single account, where, where segregating that into multiple accounts might have eased that challenge. Uh, permissions, let's actually talk about permissions in our next slide. Uh, so here we have uh, our, our slide from before. This is our full single account uh, setup. And how do we start looking at permissioning? Well, we can start at the application layer. And generally, most customers that I've seen have three tiers of, of levels of permission. We have the read-only, we have power user, and they can take actions on the services, and then we have admins who have unrestricted access. Right? So each one of these applications are going to have three sets of user groups that are going to be uh, that's going to be defining the boundaries of how these applications are going to be accessed and manipulated and controlled. Right? So each application we're looking at three sets of groups. And then we start looking at our data, and we need three sets of groups per application, per data set, as well as all the security pieces, as well as all the governance pieces, as well as all the logging pieces. So we're starting to really uh, grow our, our number of groups that we're using to manage this. And then we look at all of our internal tools that help with our, uh, our maintenance, our governance, and our, our operational ability, and we have to parse those out. So the more tools we add, the more applications we add, more services that we add, the more sets of groups and users we're going to have to manage. And, and that can often become quite a, a significant uh, operational and management challenge for you. Finally, we're going to be talking about blast radius. So I've got a story for you. Uh, we have our, our lead admin for company X, um, and this person is basically the admin for the entire account. They have full permissions to everything. And they're enjoying their day at the coffee shop, you know, just uh, checking up on emails, and suddenly they hear a commotion outside. And of course, everyone knows that all engineers are superheroes, so our engineer stands up, looks outside, dashes out, and to go render aid or assistance or whatever may be happening. Wonderful except we've possibly got a nefarious person who was watching what our admin was doing over his shoulder from, from far away. He notices that the admin ran off, and because it was a big event outside, the admin just happened to leave his laptop unlocked. And with a few simple keystrokes of a new terminal window, they have full access to the entire kingdom now, right? So they own the same set of credentials that your admin, who is managing everything in your account, uh, has. So what's what, what could possibly go wrong from that scenario? Well, here's how I would personally start doing it. If, uh, if I was a bad guy and I were to uh, have credentials to someone else's account, um, I would start looking at security logs, customer data, PII, possibly destroying data, possibly encrypting it for ransom, all sorts of wonderful things I can do with the data. There's, there's great stories here of, of terrible, terrible things that we can do to cripple your business, destroy your business, um, harm it, all sorts of, of evil, evil things. Uh, next, look at IAM. So maybe I'm going to create new users in the background. Maybe I'm going to add access keys to little known or little used users. Maybe I'm going to add, add admin permissions all over the place, right? Um, there's no telling what I can really do when I have full access to IAM uh, and be able to manipulate these things. 
Next, I'm gonna look at guard duty, right? And disable or modify to cover my tracks. I don't want guard duty notifying anyone of the nefarious deeds I'm getting to your account, right? So I'm gonna turn that off, possibly, uh, possibly just modify it so you don't notice what I'm doing. Uh, same thing with CloudTrail. I don't want anyone to look at what I've been doing. I don't want anyone to have a forensic log or, or be able to backtrack or be able to turn off the stuff I've possibly turned on, right? So I'm gonna disable it or modify it to cover my tracks. Same thing with config. I'm going to modify those rules. I'm going to change that behavior. I'm gonna change everything that is going to be watching, uh, again, in order to cover my tracks and, and not have it alert um, before I've, I've taken the final actions and gotten all of your data or locked everything down and, and asked for a huge check from your company. Uh, with access to the CI/CD tools, we can have IP theft, intellectual property. So they have direct access to source. Con they may have direct access to source control, to the builds, um, to your to your intellectual property of how all of your pieces are built. And uh, you know, go into the budgets, start modifying, so you don't see uh, you know all sorts of Bitcoin servers popping up and start their minings. Uh, you know, your your bill is escalating hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I've kept it secret because I've turned off all the alarms, and so I don't, you know, so I can get as much of that uh, Bitcoin money as I can. And then finally, uh, I can hop into Systems Manager and launch, launch executions against your entire fleet. I can create scripts that will launch against every single instance that we have in this account and mine for data, take other actions, turn off, destroy, delete things. Uh, that the possibilities are really limitless. So, single account kind of challenging and and there's some really good uh, really good reasons why you may not want to look at it. So let's look at a multi-account. <clears throat> so we here we have uh, what AWS describes as best practices for multi-account. Uh, very first in the upper left corner we have uh, AWS organizations. That's going to be our master organizations account. Um, that's not something where we want to launch production. That's not something where we want to launch tools. Really that should be kept as small and um, purposefully built for managing the rest of your uh, accounts and regions as possible. So, so really very little should be in there other than the organizations taking control of, of other accounts. Uh, right under that, we have a security account and a security or logging account. So this is where all of the logs from everywhere else, from all the AWS security and governance tools, from the management tools, from the applications, uh, CloudTrail, everything, right, should be coming into a single account. And that account should not uh, allow anyone to actually manipulate inside, uh, inside that account, right? So any users in that account or any users who are taking over roles inside, the, inside that account uh, should not have access to delete items, to uh, modify items, to write to that. Uh, no access there, read only, right? The only things that should be writing there are services from other accounts and logging systems from other accounts and uh, sources, sources from other accounts that would all fill into there. Uh, the bottom layer on the left, we're looking at some sort of authorization layer. Um, so actually I would highly, highly, highly recommend that you use some sort of uh, single sign-on federated solution, uh, you know, tying back to a, a corporate uh, LDAP or Active Directory, um, something where you have a single source of truth for all of your users. Uh, if you don't have that to be able to manage, um, you know, I would suggest a uh, authorization account and that's where your users go. So do not create users in every one of these accounts. Create users in one place and then assume roles into the other accounts uh, for 
um, security purposes, right? Biggest purpose, biggest reason there is if we have users, um, individual users that log into 15, 20, 30 accounts, and as an admin, I get a ticket and that says, hey, this person left in a huff. They're really upset. We should probably remove their access. And I remove it from 19 of the 20 accounts. Unfortunately, the 20th account was production and now the person has unfettered access to be able to hop directly into production and, and take whatever actions they deem necessary. Uh, so really don't want that, want a single place where we can have single users and be able to delete the user from that or disable access and now they can't get in anywhere else. Uh, the next two in the middle there are AWS operations tools and uh, continuous integration, continuous development tools. So this is a location where I would put shared tools, right? Centralized shared tools. Um, you may want to split it into multiple accounts. You may want to have a single account, you know, whatever, whatever works best for your organization. Um, if it's different teams who are being managing this, possibly different accounts would be better. Um, but the, the, what it ultimately rolls down into centralized shared services should really be in their own accounts to be able to manipulate the other accounts. And then we have our actual application accounts. And these are multi-region, um, you know, possibly single, single application per account, single microservice per account, um, whatever works for your organization and how you're going to be breaking that up and how you can minimize the impact to, um, to a breach or minimize the impact to the effect of uh, what can happen to a single account. Right, and that's going to be, you know, your mileage may vary depending on how you want to set that up. But I would at least have a different account for production, a different account for QA, different account for staging, different account for perf testing, um, but some, some different levels of accounts that you're going to be moving software through till it actually lands on production. Production should be its own, own account and the other ones may be different accounts, maybe single accounts, but um, definitely multiple accounts there. So we've talked about what the multi-account looks like. Now, what are the challenges with, with dealing with multiple accounts in multiple regions? Well, the tools that AWS builds uh, are, are really um, decentralized tools, and they, they are not designed to automatically share data between regions and between accounts. Uh, AWS tries very hard to maintain the boundaries of where those pieces, are, where the information from any tool or any service or, or your, own your own tools and services, where that's going to go. We will not move that data. Um, you will have to actually determine if it's right for your applications, for your services, to move that data to different locations. So the tools are not designed to actually do that automatically. So things like uh, Config or Guard Duty or uh, Identity and Access Management, Systems Manager, CloudWatch, uh, the budgeting tools, um, th those tools really are, are meant to run in their own account, run in their own space, and then possibly push data back to a, a central location. Uh, organizations doesn't quite fit that model because the whole purpose of organizations is to create multiple accounts or uh, to create and manage multiple accounts from, from a hierarchy. So we have a challenge where we have multiple data sources, multiple pieces of information, multiple control points that we want to be able to manage. And, and we're talking, you know, possibly 10 accounts, possibly 20 accounts, possibly 50 accounts, possibly thousands of accounts, right? Um, if you look to set up your account structure in such a way that uh, you are looking at a true multi-account, you can share resources between them in a prescribed way, you can keep your governance between them in a prescribed way, creating more accounts isn't really adding more work. It's just adding more uh, records to a software system that's going to be managing the entire thing. Um, so let's actually dive into that a little bit. If we take all that data and centralize it, um, 
we can definitely do that with some of the tools we have, but it's not necessarily easy and it will take some cycles to set it up until now. Introducing OpCenter Explorer, AWS OpCenter Explorer. Uh, OpCenter Explorer allows you to visualize and prioritize actionable items. So it's taking uh, I, uh, items from uh, OpCenter, AWS OpCenter, uh, and being able to look at it in a multi-account, multi-region view, right? So we have a centralized bird's eye view of everything that's going on within our entire organization, within all the accounts that we have, within all the regions that we have, and it's extrapolating the data from there, pulling it back to a single source where you can visualize and take actions on these items. So it's, an, it's really an aggregated operational view. So centrally report on operational issues across accounts and regions and view data from multiple accounts and multiple services. And now we will actually do a demo of operations uh, of, of OpCenter Ops Explorer. And to begin the demo, uh, we're actually going to talk about uh, OpCenter for just a moment. So OpCenter is a uh, fairly new tool with AWS that actually creates what we call operational items. So various uh, distribution sources throughout your environments. Uh, so let's say uh, patches or uh, CloudWatch events or, or alarms or config rules or, or various other data sources. Um, as, as the state of your accounts change, as the state of your applications change, um, it can actually fire off rules which will create operational items. The operational items will appear in OpCenter, and there now we have a great place for administrators to hang out and be able to pick up items that are happening across the accounts in, in near real time. So they can dive into the operational items, dive to where the operational items actually originated from, what rules were triggered to create these, and then be able to perform fixes or maintenance on these various tasks. And operational items are, are important because OpCenter Explorer actually pulls in a lot of this data from a multi-account, multi-region aggregated view into a single location. So let's actually dive over to OpCenter Explorer. So OpCenter Explorer, this is the, the entry page and the dashboard page. And the first thing I'm actually going to do is uh, look at the settings. So this is how we would set up OpCenter Ops, Ops Explorer. Uh, various, uh, the very, very first piece would be looking at Ops Items uh, rules and determining if we have the proper set of rules that we're pulling in the data from Ops, uh, Ops Center into Ops Center Explorer. So we can manipulate which rules we want to see, what kind of severity they're going to have, what kind of category they should end up in um, as we look at the various rule sets. So the next piece of uh, information inside the settings when we're setting up Ops Explorer is operational data sources. So uh, this is where we can pull the various data sources that's going to show up inside of our Ops, Ops Center Explorer. So we can look at it and right now we have uh, EC2 instances as well as patch manager information being pulled in. So let's go ahead and save that. Uh, next is our data export. Uh, so where we're going to be taking data from all of the sources and maybe we we'll want to push it to an S3 bucket for further analysis or um, analytics or machine learning or, or some other uh, data mining that we may want to do. Uh, we can export out to uh, either SNS or S3. <clears throat> we can specify the tag keys for this particular setup. Uh, so maybe we want to be able to look at name, business unit, location, bug dash. Uh, we can also, we can add new tags or, or uh, remove tags from this location. And then we have a resource data sync. 
So these are the locations where we're going to be pulling all of the data, um, uh, so which accounts, which regions, uh, which informational pieces, where we're going to be pulling all that data into Ops Center Explorer. So if we were to click on let's add a data sync, uh, we have a couple of options here. Uh, so of course we would name it so we'd be able to, to differentiate it from all the other data sinks. Um, and then we have a couple of options. So include only the current account. So maybe I'm running one account or maybe I just want to see a view of my account and I don't want to see what anyone else is doing. Uh, I can also choose to include all accounts from my AWS organization's configuration. So that'll pull in all accounts from the organizations. Or I even have the ability to select organizational units inside the AWS organizations. And you can see as I selected this, as I selected that option and actually read through my organizations, looked at the different organizational units that I have, engineering, human resources, and finance, um, and is able to give me a full tree view of where I might want to be able to see data from there. Right? So I can choose one, I can choose multiple, I can choose all of them, um, however you want to choose and, and be able to see operational events from those particular environments, from those particular OUs and, and sub-accounts underneath there. So you would choose which OUs, or we're actually going to leave it at all accounts for my organization configuration. And then you have an option for which regions you want to include. So we can choose either single regions, let's choose Virginia, uh, as well as Ohio, or we can choose all regions. We've also leave, left in a uh, inclusion for all and future regions, right? So this will automatically, as, as AWS adds new regions, this will automatically add that data source to the synchronization to pull all of the data in from that particular new region. You don't have to go and configure it uh, for any changes. This will automatically take care of that for you. So once you've chosen your regions and which accounts you want to be, ab be able to actually grab information from, uh, we would uh, create the resource data sync. I haven't named it here, um, but we would create the data resource sync and it will start pulling in information from all of those sources. So we can take a look inside of here and we can see our resource data sync. These are ones that we already have, right? Test sync, entire organization, um, and a few others. So let's go back to the dashboard. And you can see here, uh, we have uh, various uh, pieces. So first one is filter. So we can actually filter on those uh, data resource synchronizations that we created. So let's look at entire organization. And it's actually, you can see there's different, um, different metrics that pop up for each one of these that we choose. You can see zero, zero and then uh, in our test sync, um, OUS, zero, and entire org. We have 72 unresolved, 69 open, and three in progress. Right. We can also filter on particular regions, right? multiple regions or all of them. Uh, the first pane here, ops item by status. So we can, uh, so just like the ops items that I mentioned earlier, it's pulling, uh, Ops Explorer is pulling from all of the ops items uh, throughout your uh, entire organization, pulling that into a central location uh, where you can get a great view of uh, unresolved operations items, uh, open operational items, and, and ones that are actually being actively worked on. And if you were to uh, navigate to any one of these pieces, it's going to show you the list of operational items. Right, and if we look over here, we can actually see, um, and shoot, I don't have that open. Ah, here we go. 
um, it will actually pull open inside that proper account the operational item and you can actually go and look at it and pull in the information that you want on that, that the item, how it was created, uh, if there's similar operational items, uh, the operational data about it, as well as the resource that is being affected by that particular operational item. So we can have a full view from here uh, to be able to see a list of all the operational items and dive into more details. So with the entire organization, we can also look at, oh, my apologies, operational items by severity. So we can categorize the operational items into critical, high, medium, low, um, and, and what type of severity we're going to be looking at for those particular ones. And then you can actually dive in and look at the particular operational item that is maybe more severe. So this is a very high level and you'll be able to break down the operational items and, and see how they're looking to from your entire organization. And you can see here, now we have a, a summary pane, ops item summary. And we can actually uh, group these by different filters, by different metrics. So we can group them by different accounts. So we can see the operational, whoops, I keep doing that. We can see the operational items uh, for these different accounts. So this account actually has 52 operational items. So maybe as a um, executive person, I can look at these and say, oh, these accounts have lots of operational items. Uh, we need to focus more attention over here. These have less, we don't need as much attention here. We, we can uh, parse, parse through the data and really get a view of, of where the items are popping up, where the, where the issues may be uh, hiding, um, and, and a great view on how to see them. So we get a nice account view of how many operational items per account. Uh, maybe we want to see it by region. And I only had one region set up, US East, so all of the operational items are in that region. But if we had more, up, uh, more regions that we're actually pulling data from, they would show up here in all of the pieces we'd be able to see and be able to filter down through. Uh, we can look by tags, right, by the various tags that we set up, that name, business unit, location, and bug dash. Um, so we can filter in multiple different ways and depending on how we set up the data. The next pane is non-compliant instances for patching. So it's actually pulling the information from systems manager, patch manager across multiple accounts, multiple environments, and looking at your actual compliance status with, with those patches, right? So if we look over here, uh, we have uh, total non-compliant patches for under 15 days is zero, and critical non-compliant is zero, so that's, that's actually pretty good. But between 15 and 90 days, we actually have quite a few patches that are coming up as non-compliant. So the patches haven't been applied to our various instances. So now we have a great way to hop on and actually take a look at the operational items that were created from these patches not popping up. And if we were to actually go into these, we would see uh, from the managed instances, we would see the managed instance that uh, you know would take us into Op Center. We could look at the actual operational item that was showing up from that particular patch, missing patch piece. Um, we could look at the missing the managed instances that that would show up under. And from there, we can actually navigate to the particular patches. And again, this is cross account, cross region, right? So we have a single location where all these are popping up be able to dive in there, be able to dive into the information and get a, a high level view of 
how many how many instances are we having that don't have uh, the proper patching level or, or aren't, aren't compliant with our patching level, aren't compliant with our expectations? Where are those instances? How do I track them down? How do I get at that information? And Ops Explorer really ties all of that in so you can have one single location that you can then dive into uh, throughout your multiple accounts, multiple regions, and really get at the data that you need to get at. The next piece. Uh, we did open item summary, non-compliant patches, and here we are, ops items over time. So this is actually a trend line of the various types of operational items that are popping up and over what time period we're seeing a, a rise in them, a fall in them, you know, how we're managing them. Maybe we put new programs in place and we're seeing a rise in ops center, uh, ops operational items. Maybe we put a new program in place, we're seeing a fall in them. So that's a great way to measure metrics of uh, how many items are actually popping up and how many uh, items are trending over time. And with this particular graph, we can actually filter out um, the various pieces that we don't want to see. So here we can see, you know, from the uh, 15th to the 20th, we had about 60 items that plateaued at 60, went down to about 10, and then kind of moved on from there, right? So you have a really good way to be able to understand from the various different categories that we allow you to use what the different operational items are uh, working over time and how to, to really use that to measure the performance of your operational teams, to measure the performance of uh, fixes that you're putting in, measure the performance of uh, pieces that you're putting in place in order to manage your infrastructure. <clears throat> Next, we have instance count, and uh, this is pretty much uh, similar similar to the other to the uh, first one, where we're actually looking at operational items count. But this is the instances, the managed instances within the uh, from Systems Manager. Uh, so we can filter by ID, we can filter by region, we can also filter by those other tags that we had in place from our resource data sync. So this will actually pop in and show the instance IDs that we're looking to, uh, that, that, are, that are managed by Systems Manager across those different accounts. So you can see these, uh, this is the first account that popped up. And here are the instances from the other account. So we can dive in there and, and understand what instances we have and what account, what's actually being managed and what's not being managed. Um, and that comes over to our manage instances uh, tile here. Uh, where we have actually 14 managed instances and 10 unmanaged instances. So Systems Manager will keep track of what's actually being managed by Systems Manager and what's not being managed. So you have a full, you have a great quick glance here to be able to say, oh, looks like about half of my fleet is not being managed by Systems Manager. So my machines aren't under compliance. I'm not sure if they're being patched properly. Um, I, have, I have very little uh, structural knowledge about what's going on there, right? So this is a great way to track it down and be able to look at why they're not being managed and, and how to possibly start managing them, right? Uh, so we'll look at the, the managed instances and if we were to go into any one of these IDs, uh, any one of these instance IDs, it will actually come up under Systems Manager, Managed Instances, and then be able to dive into that particular um, instance and see its uh, management, what management tasks we have running against it, what associations, what patch baselines, th things of that nature. If we were to go into Unmanaged Instances, the instance IDs here will actually take us into the EC2 system, uh, sorry, the, the EC2 console uh, to be able to look at the instances naturally, right? And we can go then look at those instances, determine why they're not being managed. Is there a particular reason? Do I need to install some software? Do I need to lessen the permissions? Uh, what, what reasoning are, are these instances not actually managed and not under our compliance and governance umbrella?
And finally, uh, we have a great view of instance by AMI. So we can look at the various instances we have running across our fleet and what AMIs they are running, right? So we can put in filters here and you can do some searches and say, okay, these AMIs are, are no longer valid for our organization to use, but now I can actually track down across account, across region from our entire organization. We have one bad AMI, we sure we don't want to use, we can search in here and determine, oh, here's my AMI. Now I can actually go and, and locate the instances using that AMI and start terminating them, moving to a new AMI, migrating them, whatever needs to happen for the business. Some of the other nifty features of Office Explorer, every one of these tiles is customizable, all right? So we can shrink them, we can grow them, we can make them smaller, we can relocate them. Um, whatever, whatever you want to do with your particular tiles and how you want your dashboard to look, uh, we can move these around. Sorry, let me move this down here. Um, so you get full control over this. And if you've made a whole bunch of changes and you don't like it, there is a reset layout. So it'll put it back to the default state. Uh, something to note, if you do make changes inside of this window, um, these changes will persist. So you close out of the console. When you go back into it, it'll be exactly like you set it up the first time. So quite a bit there that you can do with Ops Center Explorer. And that's it for the demo. So I did want to discuss some other multi-account tips and tricks. So these are various tools that really enable that multi-account experience from a centralized control as well as visualization point. So the first one we're going to talk about is Amazon EventBridge. So this is a message bus type system uh, that really subscribes to the uh, subscriber publisher uh, pattern. Um, and allows you to create message event buses from multi-account, multi-region uh, setup. So you push uh, events uh, onto the event bus, onto the event bridge here, and it can actually travel and then uh, land and aggregate into a single account. Or a single account can be reading from multiple event buses that are that from all other accounts and inform informational and important events that are happening. We subscribe to the event bridge, um, and then your central account would be able to pull that information and take whatever action is needed, or possibly uh, uh, remediation action or uh, prescriptive action, notify somebody, whatever needs to really happen. After that, we have Systems Manager, and that really allows for uh, a, a control, a control point at both the operating system level as well as the AWS account level. And Systems Manager, through Systems Manager automation documents, can actually be executed and, and run against multiple accounts at the same time, as well as multiple re uh, regions inside of those multiple accounts at the same time. And this can, and you can create automation documents that will actually run at the API level. So you can manipulate uh, the AWS APIs from these control documents, as well as, as well as use these control documents in a centralized location to be able to take playbook actions or runbook actions against the various resources in your various accounts. <clears throat> Next, we have AWS CloudFormation. Uh, and CloudFormation will allow you to provision, or to provision resources or, or um, uh, other account structures uh, in multiple accounts, multiple regions as well, using stack sets. So you would define uh, the, the template that's going to provision the infrastructure that you want, provision, provision things in the proper way that you want them through infrastructure as code. Uh, and then be able to push it to whatever environments that you want. So maybe you want to uh, have config rules that are similar across all of your accounts. You can define the config rules inside of CloudFormation and then use stack sets to push that to all of your accounts so you have the same type of setup in all of your accounts. And then finally we come to, S to Amazon S3, a simple storage service. 
and, and especially with cross-region replication, this allows you to push data where it needs to go from a single source. So you can have a single source sitting in, in one region and be able to push that to another account even, or, or a similar account, but push it to another region, push the data to another region in a synchronized fashion, right? So as you're uh, manipulating your, your core uh, S3 bucket, um, that data is actually automatically being transferred over to another location and possibly a single a, a singular centralized source location where you can now input and aggregate all that data. So a lot of options to be able to control and visualize uh, how that multi-account, multi-region type setup is going to work. And now as a recap, really start thinking about your multi-account, multi-region multi -region strategy as early as possible. Uh, the further you go down the, the single account, the more you put into that single account, that's more to migrate, more to manage, um, it just becomes a challenge. Um, at the very least, get the security logs off into another account, right? That, that should be uh, very low risk, very, very low impact, um, and, and really be able to protect those security logs. I, I highly recommend that. Um, and then once you start managing uh, uh, two accounts, multi-accounts, you know, three, four, five, hundred thousand uh, becomes much easier. Um, it's, it's just extra software steps, extra steps uh, inside your tooling systems, as opposed to someone going around and managing it by hand. <clears throat> Really look to set up a centralized governance and, and tooling as a service downstream accounts can really use in a self-service manner. Um, so we don't want the, the downstream accounts, the people who are actually building the applications, to have to actually interface with the governance groups and have the governance groups actually take action. Uh, that will slow down the pace of innovation, that will slow down uh, improvements of the systems, and that team will become a bottleneck. Instead, look to set up these governance tools as something that can be pushed out and that the downstream teams can actually use in whatever manner they need just by setting some tags, uh, making some modifications, um, opting in, th things like that. And, and then they get the governance naturally. And finally, really look to aggregate your data into a single location for ease of visibility and response. So have, have that, all of that into that centralized uh, account, um, that centralized space where you know, very few people can actually get into, but great place to store the information, great place that, that's very locked down, great place to view, view the data, visualize it, run your analytics off of it, and it's all in one single location. So, <clears throat> let's talk. Please come visit us at the AWS Management uh, and Governance booth in the main expo hall uh, at, at reInvent in the Venetian. And thank you very much for your time. Uh, it was wonderful chatting with all of you. And uh, good luck in your multi-account, multi-region journeys. Thank you.